29. We had to take a week off because someone wanted to go hike a mountain. Two weeks. Three Two weeks. weeks. Three weeks off, yeah. Oh, I, although I did update our Facebook a I couple did. times, which that. is that's a, that's a big accomplishment a for me. Yeah, I'm bad um, at that. So uh, we're here with Jane Gertzen. Gertzen, yeah. Uh, I was going to title this our, like, our token Anglican friend, ooh. but you're the second Anglican who's been on our podcast. Who's the other Anglican? N.T. Wright. Mm-hmm. Oh right! Forgot that you guys. And, that. Oh, uh, he's he's that he doesn't, but he goes to an Episcopal church now. Oh, he goes so, to Episcopal church, I mean, right. I think we'll count him. Oh, okay. So three. So we're just now we're essentially a propaganda wing of the. We're essentially a propaganda wing of the Anglican Church now. Uh, and so Jane has. Just be clear, I knew you before they did. That's, that's true. true. That's true. Um, <laughs> you know, when our podcast is so super popular, although we do have a new logo, which is super cool. It looks very cool on my phone when I listen to it. Yeah. Um. You have the coolest church job of anyone I know. I tell people this you all the time. You always tell people it that's is right. The, yeah. It is the, if you ever want to do ministry work, you have the best of all of that world. It's pretty great. You get to do the things that people want to do and not have to do anything. So I'm going to describe your job and you can tell me where I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, so you work for the Episcopal Church, the diocese, but not a specific church. You have an office in one here in Cincinnati, but your job <laughs> that you get paid for is to wander yep. the world. <laughs> and, you have a range. Can you go as far as you want? And to explore church communities, not necessarily Episcopal. They could be any faith community at all, right? Any community of faith. You hang, you explore, you test the waters, you ask questions, you just sort of live in the now. And then your job is to once every now and then come and report back what you've gleaned from the Episcopal Church, correct? <laughs> For, to the, to yes, the Episcopal Church. that's a part give of them, my job. Give them insider info yes. on, uh, hey, this is what this is the temperature out there right I now, guys. I think of it kind of as like R and D, like mm. doing research and development on behalf of the church. But there are but some other like parts. But it's like hippie research and development. You have to. It's just more like, hey, oh, you seem. Yeah, it's very. Tell, tell me about your world. It's very experiential. So yeah. this is technically work right now. Oh, totally work. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely getting paid right now. That's awesome. So, <laughs> all right, where am I wrong? What? What? what okay, is it? so the. In the beginning, that really was my job. So my title is Missioner for Fresh Expressions. Um, and now I'm talking about also Praxis Missioner for Fresh Expressions and Praxis Communities because, you know, you just keep adding on weird words What's to your title. What's a Praxis Community? So I'll get to that. Okay. But um, so in the beginning, when you and I first met, my I sort of had taken this job and part of the work was to kind of explore what kinds of new Christian communities were you know, attracting people, we're, you know, reaching out to people in new ways. How do we engage with them? How do we build new relationships as the church? Um, and so that did involve just lots of conversations. I used to say I spent all my time either drinking beer or drinking coffee, and it's, it was not healthy or a sustainable Again, way. I, heard, <laughs> I, do that, I do that too. <laughs> not as much but, coffee. <laughs> but, um, but so over time, part of the work was to help create new communities in and among our diocese. To your point, can I travel as far as I want? I definitely have traveled in quite a few places. So we took the term fresh expressions from the Church of England, where they're talking about fresh expressions of church. In their ordination vows, the clergy in the Church of England uh, promised to proclaim the gospel afresh in every generation. Mm. Um, and mm. so the question of what does it mean to proclaim the gospel afresh? Yeah. Um, which means, you know, it might take new forms. It might uh, mean reaching people in different ways than have worked in the past, etc. Um, so I've, t- I've definitely traveled yeah. to England, do met with people there. Do they do that all the time? There? What? They, they, they keep good to that promise? 
Yeah, well, they started, you know, the Church of England began declining before the Church in America did, so they kind of hit that sort of uh, uh, where... What is the Church of England technically? What's their background? I don't know. So the Church of England is Anglican. Okay. Um, sort of the, would be the Anglican Church. Is that N.T. Wright is Church of so England? So N.T. Wright is, okay. is a bishop in the Church yeah. of England. Um, and the Anglican communion kind of stretches across all the continents on some level. Across, it stretches across the world. But, of course, the way in which it stretched across the world was the English the British Empire, right. bringing the church to all of those yeah. places. But, you know, the, the story of the Church of England is the story of the Reformation in England, right? So, you know, okay. King Henry saying, hey, we're breaking away from the Roman Catholic Church, in part because he wanted a divorce, but also because the Protestant Reformation was happening and there were many people who were already Protestant there. It wasn't all about his getting to marry the next woman um, in line. But, um, but that was certainly a part of it, disagreeing with the Pope. And so, yeah, the Church of England broke away. And uh, then over time, sort of was holding this tension between Protestantism and Catholicism. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt this. No, no, you're good. <laughs> so we can, you can ask questions. I'll try to answer them to the best of my ability. But um, so, yeah, so I've traveled to England, traveled all over there. I've traveled across the states, visiting different communities. So you just heard, um, oh, there's a cool church thing happening in... Vancouver, could you just go buy a ticket and fly there? And the diocese is like, "Yeah, go ahead and go." Or do you have like? I really hope the bishop never listens to this podcast. <laughs> well, that'd be I'm sure he won't. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, Rest assured. Although we did, uh, so when, when Wright was on our podcast, yeah. we saw him at a conference like later that week, and he was like, "Yo, Jason, Justin, I was on these guys' podcast," and his like handler, publicist guy, or whatever, was like, "Wait, what?" Uh, and I was like, "He's yeah, like, man, can I have a link to your?" Yeah, yeah, man, I would have vetted that too if I were you. The. Uh, uh, and sa- same with uh, oh another guy that we knew here in town. He was like, uh, "Can you edit some of this out? I don't want my mom to hear that." I'm on the podcast. <laughs> well, we never published that podcast. Oh, I know we still need to publish it. This had to, that was the only one we have to do a lot of editing to. Oh right, you're like okay, so we're not we've gone to that one. Um, so yeah, I mean I have. I mean I, I think just like on a whim, like just. I, I probably wouldn't do it Because I would abuse tomorrow. the hell out of that system. Yeah, so if I, I try not to abuse the system. I would abuse the hell out of that system. Hmm. The Foo Fighters are playing in That's... New York, and at the same time, there's a church happening there. Let's go. <laughs> right, exactly. J- I, Jason's been in San Diego I've, for six months. Uh, I won't a lot deny of that here, I've yes. paired up a few things I wanted sure. to do or go. Oh, it's like all salesmen do that, too. I've gone to look at some interesting church expressions. All right, so... So, so one part of it's research and development. Right. The other part of my job has been to start new communities. Mm. And so we... Does that mean new churches? Well, so I was going to say, in some ways, it's some of it's new worshiping communities, but some of it is what we call intentional communities, so people living in in community together. So we have a couple of young adult intentional communities. Group? Um, Like that's intentional community? Yeah, I mean, people living in a house or in a neighborhood together. um, So it could be something that looks more like Shane Claiborne's folks in Philadelphia, but it also could just be one house. Right. So, for instance, we have a house in Clifton where people kind of, if they're in a year of discernment, can come and live, do a year of service. Kind of like Mm. AmeriCorps for the church. But they... Dude, that's cool. I didn't know that. They, you know, eat together, pray together, spend share life together, do formation together. We have retreats and spiritual direction and stuff like that for them. It's very cool. So some of it's intentional communities, some of it's new worshiping communities, some of it's immigrant communities. So we have some Latino ministry, um, Hispanic ministry things that we're working on. Um, And you start all this. I work with people and support them in starting these new communities. I mean, I don't like single-handedly like just pop church, throw a prayer book into the room or something and churches pop up. But that's sort of the outlight because inside church planning and evangelicalism, it really is just some guy decided to start a church 
maybe somebody's giving him money. Or guys. Or guys. Right. But it's normally just one dude that's like somebody deciding to start this and rightfully running it on their own. Yeah. Which is why they all burn out and die. So I think my work is more like community organizing. Yeah, yeah. So I spend a lot of time doing like my time in coffee shops and uh, bars doing one-on-ones with people and like listening to their story and what do you dream about. And so as we began to form all these communities, we started calling them Praxis communities, communities of faith and practice to have kind of a network. Mm -hmm. It's my view that the future of the church is going to be less hierarchical and this is probably something you guys don't think about as much in your context but within the Episcopal Church um, I think it'll be less hierarchical and more driven by networks of people who are sharing in relationship together Mm, Um, so I often talk about that as communities of practice so sharing you know kind of shared values shared practices Um, and in my opinion that's what the Episcopal Church was founded on we have this set of practices it's less doctrinal Mm -hmm. and more we do these things we pray this way we Mm -hmm. um, act in the world in a certain way and so I think Praxis Communities hopes to be a kind of fresh expression of that so rooted in kind of Anglican theology and teaching but also lived out in new ways how are are you evaluated like how at the end of the year when they're like you did a good job or not a good job? What is it? Right. Is, what 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 do they base that on? Um. Or they just really like you and they just know you're doing good stuff. <laughs> no, I mean I think we we do we do mutual ministry reviews like job reviews and we talk through kind of where where were successes and where were things that like could have done that better. So I mean you know like oh this community didn't work out the way we thought it was. I invested a lot of time and energy like mm. you know that a year a of Thursday nights and like nothing you yeah, know at yeah. the end we just kind of folded it in and said okay that wasn't great. Um, but then other stuff saying like, oh, we had this conference and 250 people came and people learned about new things and that's, you know, that's a success or we're training up leaders and this is the way in which we've trained them. Um, a lot of my work, I've spent some of our time sitting on what our diocese has, what we call a commission on ministry. So kind of vetting people for ordained Mm -hmm. ministry. And one of the things that I think of as I look back over the last couple of years as a huge success is that the number of people coming out of one of our Praxis communities, whether it's an intentional community or a new church start or something, um, coming through the ordination process, like we're like probably more than 50%, I would say like maybe 70% of the people have had contact with one of our communities. Um, so in some ways, I think like shaping leadership for the future of the church has been That's like a cool. way that I would be like, oh, this feels like a, one of our successes. Nice. Well, an institution um, as big as the Anglican Church it's difficult to make any sort of turn, right? You're, right. You've got, and it should be. It should be. That, right. That's sort of my balance. That's the checks and balances, right? The church we, should we be don't have slow Joel to react. We, and um, we should be slow to move. Yep. I could use a Joel Olstein right now. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way. I meant like this money is what I meant. I just, I just imagine what Joel, what Voldemort's face is going to look like okay, as he hears you say, as he hears you say, I could use a Joel Olstein right now. There's <laughs> no, I something mean, like, dirty money, made out of that right nice. now. <laughs> a lot of it, it's true. Um, but you're right. I think it does need to change in a way that, you know, we can get s- the the downfall of an institutional church is that you get stuck in one way of doing mm-hmm. things and you miss what the Holy Spirit's up to in the world. Right. But the good thing is it means that one person, one agenda doesn't get to drive the whole, that right. there is communal discernment that happens. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, living in the tension of that, that there are days when it feels like, oh, too constraining. And then days where it's like, nope, there's a reason we do things this way. And it's protected us and helped us. You're a team of teams. Team of teams, yeah. It's a big. It's a book came out of the military, which had the same sort of idea of we realized the military oh, is too uh, big and too unwieldy. Podcast un- about it, right? Yeah, the, the military is too big and too unwieldy uh, right. to adjust. Okay. And they really there. It was the guy who was second in command in Iraq, and he said, "We're watching ISIS do a teleconference every twelve hours, mm-hmm. and as soon as we shift our supply lines, 
they know we're vulnerable on the backside. And they don't have to they don't have to move a hundred thousand people. They can send one guy to drop one bomb on the backside and we can't do anything about this. Yeah. And so it takes us three days to move the supply line. And by the time they've hit us fifteen times on the backside. Right. And he talked about the how do you build how do you build flexibility and free form into hierarchy? Like he's, he said, it's yeah. not like we could just say we're not a hierarchical organization. We're the U.S. military. Right. We have to have some hierarchy. Right. And we have to have that because of accountability and those yeah. kind of things. But we also have to have some strategic ability to trust our leaders to say, we've set you loose. Who's closest to this do on the Do your job. Right. And do it well. And uh, I'm actually, I'm uh, not a leadership guy and I hate most of those conversations. Mm-hmm. And this guy telling the story was so thoughtful and wise yeah, that it made good. me want to read his book. Yeah. Did you ever read Spider and Starfish because it's a similar kind mm. of leadership model but the idea being that one has five legs one has eight well right but Starfish <laughs> if you take one part of it it will go form a new one mm-hmm. so there's a sense right. of like self-perpetuating networks or you know yeah. things that can yeah. grow out of that and what about the spiders um, you pull off their leg and then they are only well, seven legs yeah right they can't walk right like if you pull oh, okay. a spider apart it dies I was dies. just trying to go with the analogy um, yeah so I mean I think the idea being though like how do we form networks with and all kinds of things like this exist now cool. right like you take something like Amazon where you're like saying well some of that is coming from people it's not quite as loose as like a Craigslist, but like, right. what's the form that will work best that still involves right. people mm-hmm. to be adaptable on yeah. the ground, um, and to respond to real people? In I real think it's time. fun to watch. As yeah, lots of our institutions crack and crumble exactly. under the pressure of the world right now. But I know yeah. anybody, anybody even a little bit older than me, mm-hmm. like I'm the last age group that I think can say, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Anybody older than me is stressed out by the amount of social change going on and the way yeah. that our institutions don't function anymore. Exactly. And they won't function. And they won't function. They They'll can't. Ne- they're never coming back. Right. It's it's the idea that we're bringing back manufacturing jobs to Norwood. Never. No, no, never, not happening. Never, right. never in your lifetime right. will there be a manufacturing plant in Norwood. Exactly. Right. So let it go. So stop playing. Stop playing. Norwood, you're never going to get that money back because mm-hmm. Norwood's collapsing right now under their like civic government can't do those kind of things. Oh, yeah. poor Norwood. Uh, what is the wildest or weirdest community you ever experienced? Like the worst, what's the worst story? I want to hear like something you walked in where you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Oh, the worst story. Not? Uh, this, so, church, this church in Oakley? Uh, <laughs> no, like, no the, like, one of the ones, I feel bad like throwing someone under the bus, but, um. Just make up a name, John Smith. Right, so I went to this one church who, they do a healing service, and, um, it, it involves some like traditional like in the Episcopal Church of Healing Services like we pray for prayers for healing and then we anoint people with oil mm. and that's the healing service right but these people like went all in they had like drum circle going on mm. in the space they had Reiki stations set up with like some blankets Reiki going on the floor on. Wow. Um, there was some other kind of like healing touch every situation week? I think they do it like once a month okay um, so it definitely was one of those Did things where it's like I didn't get reikied, um, but I was like <laughs> sitting in on it and like talked. It's very like people are just kind of like wandering around, having conversations, and like things are happening. How many people were at this place? There were a lot of people there. That was wow. what was crazy. Like they're really big in the recovery community, so they have like right. a lot of connections with people in recovery. Yeah. So they, I mean, in some ways, it, it was not my 
I, I did not feel particularly moved spiritually in that setting, right. but it obviously is reaching a certain group of people cool. is and there, really is there working any, for them. Not that I think this matters. But I felt a little weird, like, laying on... I was not the kind of person who wants to, like, lay on the floor and let, right. like, 15 people touch me at the I same time. I would kind of be into that. You would you? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I'm happy I, to tell you I, I would not be into the <laughs> I would not be into, the, like, a service like all week, but if I went to and I didn't expect it and people were like, hey, we're all going to touch you, and so I was like, all right, let's see, let's see where this plays out. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now, is that about... And not that it's bad if it's not, but is that Jesus centered at all or is it more like yeah. faith and holistic or I mean I would say like it's definitely faith and holistic and right. Jesus okay that's cool um so there's a little right. Jesus mixed in and some You'll other stuff around pain, the edge huh? yeah yeah a little of everything uh alright so what's the what's one that you walked into and you were like holy crap this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced um, Besides Legend Community Church, which you've never visited. I've never visited. I feel Real so bad. Cool. I really need to go. Your job is to float through communities. <laughs> we don't even get mentioned. She knows enough. Yeah, they're all right. I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you guys are doing a great job. I did job. help you plan a couple worship services, if you I did. remember. You right. are actually a, because of your job and your background and just who you are and I think a big knowledge that's in you, you are a wealth of ideas oh. and... Uh, there's been several times where sermons I'm like, hey, what would you do with this? Uh, you actually, the week that we did, we talked about this the other day. Uh, there was one week we had a campfire, and we told campfire stories, and we did the oh, fire yeah. inside. Uh, and I got that from you with yep. uh, Mark, right? Yep. Um, I love the idea that the gospel of Mark is, like, just people come sitting around me, like, remember that one time that Jesus did that? And, like, people just kind of, like, in there, throw it in there. It doesn't make any sense. The logical flow of the yeah. order of the gospel yeah. of Mark makes no sense. So the only way it makes sense is if you imagine a group of people just, like, sitting around telling stories. All right, guys, what we got here when we write a book about Jesus? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Throw them out, throw them out. out. The earliest reference to Mark is essentially saying that Mark just followed Peter around as he's telling stories in Rome and he just wrote them down. Yeah. Like there's no, oh, man, there's no one. narrative thing built there. These right. are just a collection of yeah. stories and that's Matthew why. Matthew and Luke then had to like go back and be like, okay, Makes what actually happened yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> Settle down. Yeah, no, that's, so yeah, we did that. That, that was it. That's that was your cool. Idea. I love that. Um, no, you are a wealth of, oh of ideas, which I have an idea to ask, something to ask you about in a second. But hold on, what's the best experience? The best experience that I've ever had. I don't know. That was, so, this Cross isn't rows. something I... God, no. Um, <laughs> this I is, love it. Sorry, Chuck Mingo, you're um, not listening to this. So this is an experience of someone else that I have, but just this past year, it's like stuck with me, and I just haven't been able to let go of it. So at our conference center our, for our diocese, we have a chapel that's like all glass windows, and every year we hold a retreat for young adults. So we have like 40 or 50 young adults who come together, and we have a a retreat for them right before sometime before Christmas and um, so we often use one of our Praxis communities things that we've talked a lot about is improv and we love the idea of improvisation and like kind of nice. taking some of these tenets that improv has like yes and and gifting and those things and kind of weaving them in and so we've we've tended to do like instead of like uh, icebreaker games we'll do improv games that's awesome and like I'm people in. just totally get to know each other it's super fun and um, but we do a lot of stuff with art and music and dance and so it's a whole like creativity theme through, through the retreat and so at the closing service we it was a real, one of those really weird days where it was like super icy and then it got really hot and so there's like fog all around and so we were going to the chapel for the closing service and as we entered the chapel, this, like, cloud, like, literally descended around. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't see out the chapel at all. It was all white all around yeah. you, like, complete fog. Cool. And so we're praying and um, reading scripture. 
And we were, the scripture passage was the reading of the angels um, coming to the shepherds in the field. Um, and so we're reading this, and all of a sudden, the fog just lifts. Mm. And, like, this pouring down rain starts happening. Um, and then one of the groups, we were doing, like, reflections where each of the groups was kind of sharing their, like, the poetry group shared their poem that they created, etc., and one of them was like had something about thunder in it, and thunder came down. Mm. And then, uh, then I, w- I was celebrating the Eucharist. I was celebrating communion, and then the fog dropped back down again. Wow! And then lifted again. And it was just like this like amazing mystical experience. I can't even explain it. Like it, 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 part of it's that Episcopal worship so is so like. They have a fog machine outside, and they orchestrate. Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, we don't do fog machines, so like these kinds of like emotional experiences and worship don't happen very often. I think for a lot of Episcopalians. It's it's orderly and beautiful mm-hmm. and like those things are matter to us, but the like take my breath away kind of experiences right. yeah. don't happen all that often. And so that it was just it was a really beautiful That's experience. Cool. I love um, that your favorite experience was not something that someone creatively put together with just a happenstance of just environment. That's yeah, cool because like I think it's how most of those things happen. Yeah, th- I guess that's for me. It's that it's like. Will we stop and notice when the Holy Spirit breaks into our midst? That's those are the most powerful experiences mm-hmm. for me, and I certainly have had those experiences with other people in other settings that I wasn't curating. But, um, yeah, that, that's the one that's been sticking with me in the last couple. Of that is very cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, I have a question for you because it's mm-hmm. something I'm sort of like wrestling Thank through you. in our church. It may not be interesting. I don't know. Um, what do you what? What's the feel out there? Because that's one thing with us is we're so isolated. We don't know. And you're like the only connection we have to anyone or like people that we know. Like, uh, But as far (laughs) as like in the church world, we, you know, someone's always like our uh, worship leader right now. He's really into listening to songs. Hey, you guys heard the song? I haven't heard any song since 1999. Like, uh, so you're talking about like only hill song, yes. old vineyard songs. That's like yes, where exactly. You are in your yeah, I mean, yeah, that was uh, you know, Lord, I left your name on high. Still a good jam, you know, yeah. whatever. Oh boy, <laughs> I know. So I'm I don't sorry. know. So he'll have all these new ones where I'm like, oh, I'd love that one, blah, blah, blah. But so I, he knows. But like people are asking about. I don't know about books until someone tells me. I don't know. We just don't have a pulse on evangelicalism, and which is, and I do that on purpose. I don't really care to. But every now and then, I feel like I'm missing out on something. But what is the deal with small groups these days? Do you think that they're working in churches? Do you think a lot of churches are doing them? Uh, I have my opinion and and what we've experienced, and then based on the churches that I used to be employed in, and when it was hot in the late 90s, uh, and everyone did them. So here's my take. It's funny. I just wrote a blog post about this that a friend posted that I was like, yes, that's totally my opinion, and they just, like, nailed it really concisely because I probably would have wandered with this question otherwise. But, um... I, I don't think small groups are inherently bad. I think most of what is good about Christian community happens in deep relationship with other people. Like, relationships have to matter. And sometimes we can go to church where we don't actually ever know anyone, or we don't actually know their name, we don't know what they do for a living, we don't know what they're passionate about, we don't know where they live, we don't know anything about them except that we just happen to pray together. So that's the gift of small groups, right? That you can, like, in a, in a community that isn't already small, you can get to know people on a deep level. But I think that the problem with small groups is they become really insular and they become really like uh, almost consumeristic. Like, what am I getting out of this? Mm-hmm. I get a study. I get to buy into this like experience. I get to do this. I get to do this. But right. they're like kind of saying, oh, I'm going to participate in this because these people are like me or these people want to study the same thing I want to do, study or they want to read the same book that I want to read. And I'm not sure that that should be what small groups should right. be about. Or you they get sh- the exact opposite. 
these people just want to eat dinner. These people right. just want to read the Bible. Yeah, or it's just it's a social hour. It's not deep hour. enough. It's not this. Right. Or, or it's just social hour. It's not yeah. study season ever. Yeah. Or vice versa. Whatever. Yeah, right. yeah. That's good. But again, it's about my experience of it not matching up with what I think that experience should be like, mm. which is essentially consumeristic culture, right? Like, right. oh, these people didn't treat me the way I wanted, so I'm not going to participate in that anymore. Or I got what I wanted, so I'll keep going back. I've never been able to back. articulate it like that. That's um, good. So I think that that's the problem. Now, what this article said is that what if we shift small groups from being about looking inward to looking outward? What if it becomes about the role of the small group? It's not just to do outreach, because outreach isn't the answer, but it is to be missional on some level, like to come alongside and There's a big movement group. with small group missional thing. What is it has a name? Yeah, I can't remember what that is. D3, or is that oh, about No, yeah, maybe that's the, a different one. The, the, well, there or is that M, one. M, triple M, MM, <laughs> 7. There's, no, there's, some there's something like that with some now M's. Now that you said that, I'm I know there's a bunch of M's. 3DM. 3DM, that's it. Um, that's it, right. And I actually think, so they have this whole thing about huddles and like holy huddles. And the th- problem with holy huddles is that it's still really about the, the relationships inside. They try to push people to move out as well. But I do think that it's some sort of community that says, so the example given in this blog post is that they had a group of youth who used to just get together for Bible study. And the group, the youth group decided to start going alongside a um a group, a group home for people with various kinds of mental disabilities. And they just started going and hanging out with them, just loving them, being with them, hearing them, listening to them, to the point where when that they decided to have a prom for this group of people for this living in this home, um, they asked the church if they would help host the prom. And then that relationship, like, ended mm. up being really life-giving. Was that from a Southeast or one of those churches in Louisville? I've heard that story. Oh, have you heard that story yeah. before? I don't know. Uh, the Vineyard does one. Bigger, the yeah. Bigger I think it was Southeast church. Christian Church. Oh, they do church. a prom thing like that. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, you know, this was back in the 90s where I heard, like, they did a prom for yeah. people. And yeah. it was very beautiful. So I think this is, like, a more recent article. But the point being, like, <laughs> they may have taken a story from <laughs> someone else. But like, I guess the guy whose leg grew because right, he's too right, short. Right. Everyone's got a leg growth story. Uh, but I think the <laughs> you point heard being, it too, like, right? The leg growth. Story. I don't think that small groups, for the sake of small groups, are just like the answer to the church. Right. Any more than I think anything else is the answer. Like a lot of times, with in my job, people mm-hmm. are like, oh, are intentional communities they for it? I'm like, no. Intentional communities live alongside an existing church to remind the church what they got in the business of in the first place, mm-hmm. which is about loving each other, loving their neighbors, loving God. Like if you're doing those things. You, Intentional communities aren't going to solve your problems. Only certain people are ever going to be called into kind of monastic type life. Right. But that being said, there's a lesson for the church. I think small groups, same thing, right? Like, yeah. It's not the solution. I'm real. Str- I'm struggling with it, and it, a lot of our problem happens. This happens to both of us all the time. Is that we've we've stumbled into something that we feel like is different. When we freak out, we divert to the things that we knew work worked a long time yeah. ago in our various ministries that we've had before and then we'll be like okay you know this is you know what are we supposed to do and so we either a uh you know throw the baby out of the bathwater and don't do anything or b try to try to try to force a cookie cutter thing on something that doesn't work and so and i we're i'm still at a stand so we actually just had a meeting about last week about small groups i'm still kind of wrestling wrestling with but like our deal is we started as a small group which, you know, I think we all agree that when we were 25 people in a living room, we were the best that we could probably ever be at that point. Right. Supportive, encouraging, uplifting. We prayed together, ate together, drank together, 
party together, everything together, and then things grow, and you can't have you can't 75 people at right. your house every day. And right. so we did two small groups, and those were great. And I think at our pinnacle, we had about seven small groups, and they all imploded real fast uh, because we and we tried some cool things. I think um, you know people or whatever else, or mm-hmm. and I got real frustrated. So then we we tried like a thousand different techniques of like hey let's all do the same thing and that was horrible um you know and then why are we doing it are we doing you know some groups are more social and i think that's cool that was that was my deal i, th- I like eating and praying with you i think is is good jason's was man we we're really intense in the bible study and that's right. cool and people like that like i think it's all good but it just it seemed to have ebbed and flowed to the point where i'm like okay what are we really doing what am i really trying to accomplish is this really working is this what people want is this what people can fit in their lives right now mm-hmm. is this people being stupid is this the church being stupid is, is this an unrealistic expectation or do people mm-hmm. have you know commitment issues anyways and that's I, so i've gone through the whole gamut then i had this awesome i thought idea that wasn't an awesome idea but it did get me <laughs> i was actually talking to mandy and she put she didn't say this she just said something very vague and then i took it and made this and so, but that was a bad idea. <laughs> um, but, so now I'm trying to figure out what we're really going to do. Or, like, I think people want it, but then they don't want it. And then what do we do? And how do we, I don't know. I really This don't epidemic know. of, does this thing meet my needs and make me a better person right. is undermining everything in the church. Because that's, well, a person that's a leader of legend has been really frustrated. People saying... Oh, well, how does this make me a better person? How does it make me more fulfilled? And the answer across the board, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's not the point. That's not the point. And if you want that, there are organizations dedicated to that. They just don't have anything to do with Jesus. Right. Jesus is very clear that your wants and needs mean nothing. Right. And And the trick, and this is what you can't get people to hear, the moment you stop worrying about that stupid shit, you get it all back. You will have right. your wants and needs met. Yeah. Right. As soon as you start caring about other people and investing in a lot of people's lives and start answering questions, Amen. how am I caring about other people, right. all of these internal questions, all these self-fulfillment things will get met, but if you are your own goal, it will all, you'll just continue to consume You'll be more. always disappointed be, and there'll yeah. never be enough. There'll never be enough. Because right. I guess the problem... And as long as the church is in the business of trying to make enough for people, right. we will fail. We don't have anything. We will fail at that. Right. We don't have good. anything besides the people themselves. Right. I thought yeah. we use it like even like on Sunday morning with music. I'm like, oh man, you know what you should do? You should go to Bogarts on Saturday night <laughs> because these bands make a lot of money because they're professional musicians. This is all that they do. Monty plays at Carlo and Johnny's or Fridays, wherever Monty's doing his gig. That's where you go for a concert. That's what these people are doing. Right. This Sunday morning, this is not a concert. No, this, this is about us sharing our yeah. voices that are imperfect, not great, and doing our very best in a limited situation. Yeah. If you just, don't want that, this is not the place for you. That's not a battle cry for years. Just prepare to be disappointed. Prepare to be just, disappointed. I'm going to disappoint you at some point. Probably that. this week. Yeah. Like probably in the next week I want to say something. I was with a I was with a like mission council and they were talking about how to get mostly the questions people ask me are like, how do we get young people to come to our right. church? And um, mm-hmm. how do we just get new people to come to our church in general? And my answer is always like, do you go out to your community? Like, the so obvious stuff, right? Like, everything yeah. you guys already know. Like, do you know the people in your community? Do you, where do the people hang out? What are the things that matter to people? What keep it, anyway. Um, so I give this whole long spiel, and I'm like, you have to, I have to go talk to people. And they're like, this one guy was like, and he was like 25. He's like, I, yeah, I'm afraid of talking to people. I don't think I can go out and do that. It's too hard. And literally these words just came out of my mouth, and I was like, I can't even believe I just said these to these poor people. I looked at him, and I was like, who promised you this was going to be easy? Right. Like, in what world did we fail you right. as a Christian that we told you that following Jesus was easy? Right. Did you miss the part of the story where he dies <laughs> and, like, by all accounts failed at the mission that they thought that he had? Yeah. yeah. Like, 
I, I'm legitimately confused by the fact that people think that being mm. a Christian is supposed to be it's easy. It's been my battle cry lately is that your discipleship, your religious devotion should cost you something. And so it's my friends who are like, well, we want to... We want to we want to own a baker, but we don't want to serve gay people because of religious devotion. Cool, you get to pick one. You either serve every customer that comes to the door, or you say, because I can't in good faith do this. I think you're wrong, but in good faith you say you can't do this. You give up the business because your religious devotion is more important than your small business ownership. And if you can't do that, then you have no religious devotion. Right. And so, like my easy one is like for somebody trying to get me to run for city council mm-hmm. for my work in the community council, <laughs> and I was like, hey, nobody wants to defend me. <laughs> nobody wants one look at anything I ever say or do, and dudes been like. I don't think that I could be a good follower of Jesus and be on city, be on city council. Yeah. I should be careful about saying that because like 10 years from now I could end up on city council. So like flip. City council. But, but right now I'm like, I don't know how but it, but it, I it give is, up power by right. taking a position of power. Yes. And it is, like, I think it is that. Like, who then are you serving? Right. I think that's the question you have to always ask right. yourself. Like, if I got elected to city council, am I still serving Jesus first or right. am I going to be serving the people first? And our community council is nice because oh. it has no power. Right. Right. It's just a position of servanthood with no authority, yes. no. It's just what can I do to help? Yeah. And I think this is probably the last level of government that you can do that in in this country without it becoming an mm-hmm. agenda and advancing systems of power. And I think there's things. truth in that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess what I think about the smaller things, I'm trying to, I feel like if there's a problem to solve, it's isolation and loneliness, or the fact that I get upset that our church has grown to the point where I just can't minister to everyone anymore. And so I'm like, oh, I need other people to do that. Mm -hmm. So the small group will do that, but the small group don't really do that. Or they They have not. So that's that's where I am. But here's the thing. Why would people join a small group? Are they joining a small group because they feel called to help other people not be isolated and lonely, the giving of oneself, right. or are they doing it because they themselves are isolated and lonely and they want other people to minister to them? No, oh, probably that. Right? So the so key Then you have is, all those people in there and then they're all angry and depressed all the time. Right. <laughs> and, and like, I often look to AA because I think AA has this like really amazing model of how they've done this. And AA only works because the people who've gone through the program, who've worked the program, keep coming back right. to serve the people who can't yet serve other people. Right. Like, that's the, the whole model would not work if you just put all these dysfunctional people in a room and said, good luck, just do these things, and they had to figure it out themselves. It right. doesn't work that way. It only works if you have leaders mm. who are essentially coming back, helping other people work the room. So in some ways, I wonder if it's not more of a discipleship model in our context, right? Mm-hmm. That real disciples disciple other people. And sometimes I think as pastors, we get caught in the, like, we're, our job is to disciple other people. Right. And we forget that actually, no, we failed unless we've raised up disciples who can actually do Yeah, I think we you, failed. Um, <laughs> can do what you have done for yeah. other people. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Like, Dang and the it. small groups that Dang. spun out of Jesus's small group, essentially, right? right? Those people all had to go do the same thing. Right. And they were super disappointed with that news. Like, when it hit them, like shit, the only thing we can do is actually go do this now. <laughs> we just like this upper room where we're sitting here praying and good things right. happen. And, all and they sudden, all died. Yes. Every one of them Every died. Every single one of them died. Yes. But they they had to go out. They had to live the way Jesus lived. They had to gather oh, people the good. way Jesus gathered them. And like, I think that, yeah, I think that's the only way churches will survive is if we can begin to say, no, the work is yours. Right. Well, we've had this love affair with like, particularly in America, and I think it has to do with languages, with like corporate structures with corporate institutions, with hierarchy, with these kind of things. And so we mimicked them. Like the, the Presbyterian Church exactly. I worked at, it was in Westchester, right? So there's tons of executives of Procter Gamble and GE there. 
And we just assumed that if you were successful at Procter Gamble GE, you would be successful as a leader in the church. <laughs> and there are to an extent. Some of them are, right? These, these dudes could come in and bring in, like, here's good accounting practices. Here's a good way to budget. I mean, that's what we talked about with Tom last week. Yeah, game. learn some wisdom. There's, there's totally, but. You ran a business, can be a pastor. Just because you ran a business doesn't mean. And so, and, and maybe if we can use the same language, but the scales are all completely off, right? right. And so my battle cry was, so my youth ministry had a budget, let's say, I think it was like $35,000 my last year. Over. If I spend thirty-five grand, and one kid comes to know Jesus out of that entire thing, and that's it, that was money well spent. And yeah. because of all my Procter Gamble GE friends, who are hyper on both short-term one kid profits is not worth and efficiency, grand. they would say no. Mom, dad, they would say it's a poor model, father, right? You got to get that family to come inside. They would say that's a poor model because it's not efficient. And I understand why you're saying that. You're just not operating on, on the scale of Jesus at this point. Right. You're, you're, and I, one of my, the, one like of my, smallness matters to Jesus. Twos yeah. and threes matter to Jesus. Yeah, and if they don't matter to the church, then we're not walking in the way of Jesus. Right. And um, we're not. I mean, they, they across the board, we're not. Right. And, uh, yep. and then we just say, oh, shit, we botched that. Let's go try something else. Because yeah. I think that's the strength of legend is that we have the ability to everyone's going to say, oh, yeah. this sucks. That we're not doing it anymore. was horrible. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No one cares. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do something else. Right. So if we have to... I'm not to... perfect. You're not modeling perfection. Right. Yeah. That's, we definitely have set perfection. that precedent that we are not modeling perfection. But if we have to torch right. small groups, we torch small groups. Yeah. Right. The, we only answer to the community and inside the community. So I don't have to justify that up a hierarchy that then had... Because at the Presbyterian Church, they would have said... Oh, well, we spent... We already invested all this. We spent $7,000 on curriculum. You've got to turn that around. Yeah. Or it's what we've always done. So that, for me, that just reminds me. So one of our... Because we've kind of learned from improv in our practice communities, we decided that we were going to write our own tenets, like, instead of yes and and whatever. We're like, so what are the things, what are the practices that we embody day in and day out? And so we came up with a couple that just, like, came out of our communities. So one of them is um, know people by name. So it comes from, I got that from that Henry Nowen quote, which I always like botch, but like the idea that like all of our time gets spent in meetings and um, teaching important classes and all these things. And we forget that what we are actually called to do is like sit on people's doorsteps and throw water and hug them and love them. And like, this is what we're called to do is like know each other by name. Um, So knowing people by name, relationships matter more than anything else. Um, give permission. And by that we mean, like, not we're in charge, we give you permission, but that, like, my crazy idea gives a permission for your crazy idea. So that we create a culture of um, trying new things and being willing to be the weird one and all of that. Like, just do the thing that you're passionate about, and then that will give someone else permission to do the thing that they're passionate about. Um, But one of the others that, for me, what you just said really struck me was respect the seasons. and I think that so much of church work, we think we have to create things that will last into perpetuity. And I really am like almost offended by that idea. Like Jesus used over and over and over again, these images of the natural world. Mm-hmm. And so we take seeds and we plant those seeds. And what if those seeds only feed us in this season? Right. What if they aren't meant to feed us as some kind of hybrid, you know, GMO seeds from now until eternity? Right. What if they were only the seeds for this year? And next year, we're going to have to go find new seeds to plant and plant those. And maybe the thing that we grow, it falls to the ground. I mean, of course, this is the image of Jesus, right? A grain of wheat falls to the ground. Um, But what if it falls to the ground and someone else picks that seed up and they go then and plant with that? It's not mine anymore. It's theirs. Um, So, like, essentially, how do we put things down gracefully? How do we understand that we don't actually have to, like keep doing everything forever that we did what we were we were supposed to do small groups for the season it was what was needed in that moment 
now we're gonna put them down. We're gonna do something else because this is the food right. that's gonna feed us this year. We've been yeah. um, we've been partnering with a local church that is just simply in hospice care at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm, they are, and and there's just no. I like. I mean, Jesus is big, and Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants to do. There's no indication to point to anything that says that Jesus is bringing this congregation back. No. Right. right, and you do the best. Well, I don't know serve. if the congregation wants Jesus to bring them right, back. Right, right, right. But, no, but isn't that it? That, that sometimes that congregation you, served in that community. 120 years. For 120, 120 years, years. And, and represented Christ to that community. Yes. And maybe it's time to allow some other new thing. Maybe God wants some other new thing to, to come in. To their credit, they've actually been generally open to us coming and saying, what can we do to help? What can we do to bring new life to old bones? What can we do to be these kind of things? And it's, it's given us lots of good conversation. But I remember... When I first started ministry thing, you burnt all these people down to start over. Mm-hmm. But now my concern is, oh, these people have a legacy of serving Jesus that's decades long and that deserves honoring. Yeah. And the leadership there deserves honoring because they've maybe stayed with it. Yeah. They've stayed with it when all the rest of us, anybody our age would have quit and walked a yeah. long time long ago. Time, these yeah. people have stayed faithful yeah. for faithfulness's sake. Yeah. And that's, that's a story when it's that's hard. telling. When it's like not or, easy. When yeah. it has involved their own well, personal this, sacrifice. The poor passion, this church man had cancer, has oh. not drawn a paycheck in 14 months, and oh continues God. to serve. Oh my God. And because they're, um, you know, whatever their background is, the United Church of Christ or whatever, they, uh, she will, during chemo, I mean, she is just beat to pieces, but she will hobble up there because she's like, they need the Eucharist. If they don't, I, I'm the only one that can give it. If they don't, you know, I feel bad if I don't can't give it to them. Like, just don't give them the Eucharist this week. Just stay home. But, you know, she is a, right. a soldier, man. And for so, and with especially, I hang out with a lot of non Christians and they crack on the church and the church deserves cracked on. Nobody cracks on that story. We tell that story of devotion and love and servanthood for zero gain and profit. Exactly. Right? This is the best of what the church is and the best yeah. of what the church has always been. Yeah. And man, if we were quicker to tell her story, because nobody's telling, she's not getting quoted. Nobody gives her a regular radio show on WLW like big pastors in the city get. Right. Nobody gets quoted in the who papers. Gets, who gets them? Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, like he's a big celebrity. He's a big celebrity voice, right? That gets raised up yeah. in a church that has a, a limitless budget, limitless resources. Right. It's easy to serve in that context. Easy to serve with energy. It's easy mm-hmm. to serve with momentum. What happens when all the wheels come off and you're the last one? And I thought my, you know, my my nightmare scenario is. I walk into Legend one Sunday morning and it's just me, mm. or it's me in the band. And one of the things that I've said that I'm close to that. We've been close a couple years ago. But I've told our band that if that were to happen on a Sunday morning, nobody else would. We still do our worship set. Amen. Because yes. our worship set is not for the people who show up here. Yeah. The worship is aimed toward Jesus. We probably wouldn't do the sermon then because that I think tends to be edifying for people, and we can do that in a different way. Mm-hmm. But our music is not for the people that show up on Sunday morning, and if it is, we failed. Yeah. Because. Because there's a servant here. And so I like, I've been talking, we've interacted with this this pastor recently for the last couple of months. I'm like, nobody's telling her story. Nobody's taking care of her. And she's the body of Christ. Like, she's the yeah. church. She's the church universal. She's the story of the church across the board that well, shouldn't and be told in grabbing headlines. They're, you know, it's so cool. We've been, yeah, we've been interacting with this church a lot. And there's probably like 10 people, 20 people on books, but 10 people who show up. And they're all pretty old and what last night it happened again like he just they just want to tell the stories and i i like listening to the stories he brought he took me to this little model of the church that was built before the 1904 space and he was like man this is you know that bell tower's still there and i'm like oh, this is, i was like so this cool. is why they want to do they do have you know, all, all this cool art and everything it's just a cool collection of history that's amazing yeah i i've often thought that especially those of us who are interested in the new thing that god's up to like 
planting new churches and starting new things um, in the world. But that holiness, so, you know, I often talk with people about that being like kind of the midwife experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like birthing something new into the world. Um, But that holy moment of a new life coming into being that like kind of is take takes your breath away the same is true in hospice right yes that like liminal space Mm -hmm. between the end and the kind of ultimate union with god like that is holy space and if we come to recognize the holiness of the beginning we actually are closer to that holy space of hospice Mm -hmm. than the people who are in the big churches who are at the peak of their life right Right. like we actually know that experience of I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I can do this, but there's something amazing and mysterious and beautiful happening here and I'm going to be part of it. And it's messy and it's hard, but uh, God's here too. Mm. I feel like um, this woman, is she, she's the widow's mite, man. Yes. I feel like where all the other churches are like, look at the hospital we built, look at the people we've saved from sexual trafficking. And those are good stories. Those are good things, But yeah. she will be the one to call Jesus, her right now. And Jesus says, that I love her. she gave her her weakness. Yes. Right? When she had nothing, Yes. she kept serving and that's, and, and to their credit, man, when we, because we were able to go in, and the, the first time I ever met with these people was a, a month for Legend Open. And yeah. I went in and said, hey, you organize this community dinner, we'd like to meet with you guys. And they yelled at me. They yelled at me for being too young. They yelled mm-hmm. at me with the beard, the tattoos, and mm-hmm. the hate on stuff. To their credit, almost across the board, they're interested in seeing what does it look like to see this through to the end. They love us. And yeah. what is it? And because we've been good faith partners with them, not coming and telling them this is how you are. Because what our what I saw along is we want to maintain your congregation right. too. We don't well, want to absorb. And, and what they, uh, to their credit, what they've seen in us is that we show up every. We show up for ten years now almost. And there's another young Oakley Church who, and I'm sure this is not this church's fault. There's these people are horrible at communication, so I'm sure there's a communication break. But all these people know is. They were supposed to show up twice, and they didn't. I those are. She she goes. He is a punk. She's like, excuse my language, but he is a punk. And I'm okay. like, ooh, saucy. Have you ever done ministry? Like, have you ever sat with someone at the end of life, and like, not even like just the moments before, but in the like weeks and months before. The thing they want to do most is give stuff away. They want yeah. to tell you their stories. Yeah. And they're like, take this tea set. It was my great-grandmother's. And it would mean so much to me if you would take it. And you're like, I really don't need a freaking tea set. Like, I don't, with some horrible china pattern on it. But, like, you can't say no. Because this is, like, the gift exactly. of their heart. And, like, how do we receive yeah. I like gifts, that, man. I feel like. Um, with grace. but And say, like, yeah, this isn't the future. But there is something beautiful and holy here that should be remembered. It's just, it, the, the only thing that, and I've said multiple times, the only thing I really want to hear in my more like charismatic moments when I'm really praying, what I want to hear is job well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. That's the yeah. only praise that I want from God. I don't want to, I don't want Jesus to ever say you're yes. a great speaker because I'm not. I don't want Jesus to say you're an innovative thinker. I'm not. Like I'm standing right firmly in line with the traditions of 2,000 years that have come before me. Mm-hmm. I don't need to innovate a damn Everywhere. I don't need to innovate a damn thing but I need to be faithful to what I'm called to be to, to do. And um, yeah. I'm always just like, I'm ready to die. <laughs> Anytime. Just take it. So if one of our other practices tenants is that there's a church beyond our, your church. And I love that idea too, because it keeps us from thinking that we're the only ones who ever mm-hmm. came up with this idea. Yeah. Um, and we're the ones who do it best. And that to say like, yeah, it is actually our work to partner yeah. with, to honor the Christian yeah. witness of 
of other people, and maybe even those who aren't Christians, the people of goodwill right. who are doing good things in this world, we honor them. And to say and really them. mean it. Yeah. Not just be like, oh yeah, and here's a you know a watch, good retirement, bye. Like, we, they we really mean it. We've really gone to the it. other three older churches in Oakley multiple times and said, hey, well, you guys want to, do you guys want to do Good Friday with us? Do you want and and without any sort of and the the Sam Young church planter that irritated this this other church when we said, hey. We get together regularly, and us we're going to... some of the other pastors. It's yeah, us, us and the pastors. women, no us men. The, it's really, them. literally no men pastors want to meet with us. It's, us. But I'm cool. I'm, I'm like, all right. So we, we said, hey, we want, to do a good Friday. we want to do a good Friday service together, because what we want to say is our Methodist friends and our Mennonite friends and our Church of Christ friends and us is whatever we are, we disagree on polity. We disagree on interpretation of Scripture. We, mm-hmm. endure, we all agree that Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday, and we come together on the banner mm-hmm. of that. A, I don't know how a follower... No, as a follower of Jesus, you might say, my church has a significant amount of tradition and... and we can't. Production that we do around that, so we can't partner with you, but but this guy was like, well, I would have to ask questions about the theological, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and I, I was... And ha- then, or, or he'll say, when we get together... Well, what's like, the benefit? Well, what's, what's the purpose of it? What's the, what's the like, mission of it? And I'm like, I don't know. Meet some people? Be, be encouraged with the other Talk and to another I was halfway to go after yourself. I want you to recognize that Christ didn't just die for you, he died for everyone. Because right. that's I'm I want to know I've been in their church for under twenty years and your church is four years old. You, Shut you the met, hell up. You met Renee at uh, oh, of course. Yeah, so she, so she was on our podcast too, and so we meet with her regularly and then um did you ever meet Paulette? The that Methodist was at church. the Methodist Bethlehem. She's yeah. just retired. Did she just she's retire? Done. Okay. Uh, well, I think she's officially done like August something or other. But, My uh, kids both went to Baldwin there. So, um, so like, you know, we meet, she, the three of us meet regularly and, we, you know, we talk to Pastor Judy at the Church of Christ and, um, but that's what no one else wants to meet. <laughs> Everyone else, or they want something out of it that or I don't the, know. If or they're suspicious of some agenda, like that we're bringing some agenda to the table, like there's this idea of what each other, no man, like no, no agenda. this is a lonely job. Yeah. This is difficult. And right. especially if you've been, like this dude, this dude's in a brand new church plant. That job sucks. Right. That job is horrible for the first, I don't know, it's been 10 years don't so far. Don't you want colleagues? Right, don't right. you want friends? Who also care about the same neighborhood you care about? Right. Like who are deeply invested in it? I think it's, they like, want church threatened. people that, they yeah. have a model. It's weird. They have a business um, model. Hey, we ran into this recently. It was the first time I've heard of other people doing it. Do you run into co-pastoring a lot? A little bit, yeah. It seems like, I mean, we... I know you We've been doing it for like 10 years now. You pioneered this idea of co-pastoring. So, (laughs) trademark. I just did it. It's done. It's on rare. Uh, But no, we met this organization that Mandy hooked us up with, this Ecclesia group, and it was the first time I... It was the first time we ever went to any pastor thing where we were like... Oh, we don't have to prove ourselves. We can just be who we are, and they're a lot like us. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I've never met that, but co-pastoring was uh, other churches starting to do it, and I liked it. Yeah, and I know. A no one of, understands like, what we talk about. Couples too, who are you doing it. Couple. Um, That's what everybody calls us. You guys might as well be a clergy That's what everybody couple. Kristen <laughs> said the other day, I was talking about something. She goes, "You do." I know everyone jokes about it, but you do realize that when you ebb and flow, it's just like your marriage. You and Jason. I was like, "Shut up." hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is that kind of a partnership, certainly. Um, people can't do it, though, man. So it's hard. Can't. No, I mean, it's hard. Most people can't do marriage. No, exactly. <laughs> but you know why? You know why? It's because you have to be willing to sacrifice your own ideas yep. on behalf of someone else's yep. ideas. And most clergy are really bad at that. Yep. Because they're all type A personalities. They're all type A personalities, but they also, some of it is ego. Like, they got into it for ego. And I just think, again, one of my things is, like, the future of the church has to involve humility. 
Like we will not survive if we well, do not have the people past who of the are church humble. was supposed to involve that too, but we <laughs> right. sucked at it. Um, and the other thing I was going to ask is, uh, how often are you seeing now um, uh, bivocational ministry? I mean, I think in that's my head, gonna, I feel like that's the future. I think it's the future. Yeah, I mean, I think there'll always be a few. Our bishop calls them resource congregations. I kind of hate that name because I think all of us have resources, it, but it totally makes um, sense though. Yeah. But like you know, con- you know, the congregations who have the resources, who, who building can, clinics in Africa, and yeah, and who can afford to employ multiple clergy people and have big, beautiful buildings for events and things like that. Um, so I think there'll always be some of those. I don't think that's going to totally right. go away. Yeah, yeah. But I think by and large, we're going to see clergy who are like circuit riders again, right. who are either going between multiple communities or who are working in one profession and also serving their local community. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody just recently asked me the other day, like, oh, well, if you could do full time, if you'd be a full time pastor, would you do that? I was like, well, that's not an option. So right. <laughs> it's never been, a, <laughs> it's never been on, on the, the table. So I can only answer with. That if it was presented to me tomorrow, uh, my answer could change. I'm like, oh, well, maybe. And, I, and I've done that before. But so much of where I've since for 10 years has not been like that. It's like, oh, I guess not. I don't know. Well, I, the weird thing is, I like, I think the problem with bivocational pastors, it puts pastor, it still considers pastor like a job. Right. Which it is. Right. There's a reason I get paid. There's a reason. Right. Um. But it's not a job. Like we've we really struggled with it. We really struggled right. with this for at our yeah. church because we don't know how to do like per employee evaluations. Because mm-hmm. we don't what what's it look like to put enough hours in? What's it look like to do like? And I feel super. If I yesterday I ended up with like a forty five minute window where I didn't have anything that I needed to do or get done, and I felt super guilty that I wasn't being productive during those forty five minutes. And I was like, you're gonna spend all night in an event time for church. You've done the, the last four nights have had a night event like these kind of things. And so, mm-hmm. trying to reimagine back to where I think like parish models were the more yeah. healthy model where the pastor just was. Yeah. Right. And they just did the job that needed to be done. And, yeah. and the community took care of them. Right. In the way that they needed yeah. to. And, um, so I like this whole, that's why I think we talked a lot at the beginning about what does it mean to deconstruct the notion of mass of pastor, especially inside evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done some of that. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is I just, but the professional Christian thing, yeah. like I think that the salvation of the church is dependent upon pastors not being professionals. Right. Because it's easy for me to say, what, to you don't read Christians. your Bible every day and pray every day right. when I could literally just do it for hours and that's considered my job. Yeah. Uh, and the hard thing with us is... And uh, you're paying me to do yeah, that. Right. Exactly. And the hard, and so how can I ask the guys working construction hard, backpacking work all day to, hey man, you didn't put in your quiet time today? What's right, the right. deal, dude? Yeah. Uh, not that I would ever do this, But the... Um, now, and the other thing with the way we do church is if it came down to it where they're like, hey, we, you know, we have to evaluate every hour, well then, hey, I went and had lunch with a friend, goes to our church, that counts. Like, it does. And I hate doing that. I hate thinking right. like that. Like, we go to parties, we go to birthday parties, like, was well, this ministry or is it not? Literally, my whole church is here. Well, yeah. Uh, Cause, so, cause yeah. Because so. if they say no, cool. Let me get drunk and act a fool, and I bet it comes up at our next leadership team meeting, right? If I get drunk exactly. and do something embarrassing, so now it is work, right? Yeah. Now I have to be my professional. So it does feel complicated somehow, it is right? Complicated. Like complicated I think, if you if someone's pressuring you to make it complicated. We don't have that, so yeah, I don't think. It, but but I think if you're talking about it, like I think you guys have built such an amazing community that people understand who you are and you can be yourselves, right. and I think that's the dream. Yeah. But I think the like broad sweep of it is complicated to say like. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. Everything I was taught in seminary, don't be friends with your parishioners. Don't, um, you know... They taught you that? Oh, Oh, yeah. I'm sure they probably said at some point. Make sure you preserve days off and you don't get... I mean, a lot of clergy I know, like, don't even answer their phones on their days off. Um, And I'm like, so someone's having a crisis... That you're in relationship with and you're gonna like ignore them? That's like a right. normal you're not a pastoral pastor. Whatever practice. you are, you're not a pastor. Right. right. Like you're, you're you're an administrator, you're something, you're not a pastor. You're not a pastor. Like a pastor and I, I mean, you know, obviously that's an extreme. Most sure. pastors, if someone yeah. dies or something, answers their phone and goes on with their day. But um but I do think there is something about those hard and fast rules that don't help us. Like mm. we have to be able to live in an integrated way with the communities that we're a part right. of and we have to be friends with them and we have to hear each other and see each other as whole human beings. But but how do we also take care of ourselves where we're yeah. not just working 24 hours a day, right. every day? Right. And what does it mean to, you yeah, know, we've been really luckily kind of in general, we have a really affirming both leadership team and community that if tomorrow I said, I'm done, I just need a break. People are like, cool. Take a break. Like there's no, yeah. any pressure is internal. Any pressure right. is mine that I put on myself, mm-hmm. which is what regulate that the way the system should be right. Like I should be a conscientious enough person to make right. sure that I'm doing what the right. community is asking me to do and needs right. me to do. That means it's working. So, like, it's working. But, you know, but it will, I mean, I think it's going to take some working out for churches that don't have built that into their DNA. Right, right. Well, and the sacrifice is nothing happens fast. Nothing happens fast. Because there's not one person right. or two people dedicated to, like, okay, I'm in this office all day and I'm just getting tasks done. Like, so, and we got to meet and we got to talk and, like... So things, you know, I, or I actually met with someone last week and she was like, oh, you consider that a job? And I started going through, like, all the things that happen weekly or all the time at our church. I'm like, and she's like, oh, yeah, I guess that would be a job. And I'm like, you know, those things could happen faster and better if we were full-time. I just don't know if that's ever what right. it's supposed to happen. Faster, maybe. I don't know about better. Because we're really good. Faster, yeah. We're really good about my reaction, my immediate impulse is to overreact to everything. If somebody calls me and says, hey, I'm really mad about what Justin said in a sermon Sunday. Oh, shit, I've got to go meet with this person and put hit that fire down. And, but, but my... Over the last 10 years, I've just said, okay, I'm just going to let that ride. Yeah. And then what we're going to find out is, are you really mad or is something else in your life falling apart and this was your whipping boy yeah. or whatever? Or we can just wait. Emergencies will be emergencies and you'll know you'll know when they're emergencies. Everything else probably isn't. Everything else probably isn't, yeah. Yeah, I do think that not only the like faster yes, but the better is not only like avoiding those kinds of conflicts, but also the... If you can host other people's best ideas and like truly create a, a kind of community where like these things are are part of who, what makes us who we are, it's not because you're paying me to do all right. of it. You a lot of pastors don't get the best ideas of their community because they do everything, right. which means you're missing out on all the creativity, all of the like good you know thoughts about how things might be done better. That yeah what, what, are you, what are you losing in doing it all yourself somebody came to me with a plan yesterday for improving our communication stuff like how our social media works our website all kind of things and started going through this plans like justifying why it's like I trust you go do just it just do go it yeah. I, this is amazing <laughs> you tell me what to do to help you how right. do I resource you and just run yeah. run as fast as you can and then if there's a problem we'll catch up later right uh, you don't need my permission for anything go do something that's we, totally my model of ministry too like yes no, that's, that's a great idea go do it go do it yeah <laughs> And we can fit, we're all yeah. adults, right? If there's a problem and How we're all can adults, help? Can we help? can fix things later. Yeah. Um, we had somebody, somebody wanted to do the Dave Ramsey stuff at our church. I don't like Dave Ramsey at all as a, mm. as a person and an ethos and the, the philosophy he brings. That being said, the Dave Ramsey thing was really helpful for my marriage. 
like wow. being disappointed about yeah. our spending was really good. Yeah. But I would have said, no, not Dave Ramsey. Right. But because these people were passionate into it and passionate about how it helped their marriage mm-hmm. and their family and how they thought it could help other people. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, of course we're going to help you. Yeah, they do it every year now. Yeah. yeah. And it's been great. And people love it. Right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and it, some of that's like, if this is the something that's been helpful to you, bring it to us. Like, yeah. give it away to the community. But that's the, like, sacrifice thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I sacrificed my own theology and my best ideas. Right. One of the small groups that we were sort of starting to form a new worshiping community, and the name that they came up with, I was like, this is a terrible name. <laughs> was it like Al-Qaeda? It wasn't like Al-Qaeda, but I was like, it doesn't even make any sense. The metaphors doesn't, don't what work. What was it? What was it? Um, so we were, it's kind of a long story, so uh, I'm super into St. Brendan. Do you guys know the story of St. Brendan? No. Um, St. Brendan Fraser? No, oh, okay. it's a fourth century <laughs> Irish monk. Um, and he, so like the time of all of the like kind of Celtic monks, mm-hmm. one of the strong ones, he, his story, they say, was as famous in the Middle Ages as the Iliad and the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a kind of seafaring adventure. Essentially, he felt a call from God. He, he, God said, I want you to go to the land of promise. And, um, so he, with a group of monks set off in this little boat, which are basically like canoes, those little Irish boats, um, caracals. And set off into the sea and then had all these adventures in the sea, like sea monsters and landing and meeting strange people and whatever. But it found, eventually finds his way to the land of promise. I believe it. This is awesome. Well, apparently there's actually some archaeological evidence that there might have been Irish people in the New World. When there were sea monsters? Um, I'm into the sea I don't know about part. the sea monsters That's what part. I'm into. But, <laughs> but according to this legend, which you can look up online, there were sea monsters. That's awesome. Um, there so, were, I believe it. So anyway, so they have this adventure on the sea. They get to the land of promise. They meet the beautiful people there. And then God sends them back. Says, okay. Could go back to Ireland now. Oh, they just the had story. to meet them? That's it? Yeah. So, like, he thought he was, like, going there and was going to, like, be there, live there. Yeah. But God said, no, your journey's not over. Go back and tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has to go back across the whole adventure and goes back, and he then starts new communities. New, That's how the Illuminati came to the new world. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I buy that conspiracy, too. Um, uh, that's pretty awesome. But anyway, so I love the story of St. Brendan. I love it because I think most pioneering work, most new kinds of callings are this feeling of setting off into the sea with an unknown destination. Mm, right. Like, I love don't actually it. know where we're going. We're just going to be faithful to God yeah. and, like, trust that we'll figure it out as we go. We'll pray. We'll share this together. Whatever. So I love St. Brendan. So I have been sharing the story of St. Brendan, but then they said... They wanted to call it Brendan's Bridge to, like, connect these two worlds together. And I'm like, there's no bridge in the story. Like, it doesn't really make any sense. But anyway, so... Did they go with Brendan's Bridge? Yeah, they did. And it was Mm. fine. It 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 was... Sounds like Lord of the Rings just sort It was an experiment. And we did some really beautiful work, and it was great while it lasted. Um... But I remember thinking, like, oh, this is, I don't like this name at all. But, like, the sense of, like, what does it mean to lay down my own yeah. needs to trust the community and say, like, this is who they see themselves as. This is what they want, um, not what I want. And I don't know. I think that those have been, like, for me, the ongoing lessons. Maybe it's, like, parenting. Like, you just keep, like, laying yeah. down your own stuff over and over and over again. Like, I'm yeah, tired, but church, I'm going to do the thing that you need me to do. The church I used to work at was called New Beginnings, and they changed their name couple years ago to the shelter and I'm like oh I hate that and all the time I'm like oh we're going to the shelter and I'm like what's shelter oh that's the name of your church that's forgot. the name like, of your church right and I'm like ugh I hate that it feels name. very Just, like, Justin and I were on staff at a Presbyterian church that started together again. yeah yeah, I would. I, I got paid. I got paid one hundred fifty dollars a week to run PowerPoint. 
was supposed to be creative arts. We weren't very wise. But no one wanted creative arts. But so we were, uh, they were starting contemporary service and they're reaching out. And so I'm the youth pastor, so I'm leading worship and doing these things and involved. And um, they came back and they wanted to name the contemporary service Axis or Axis Mundi, like the idea mm-hmm. of the center of the earth is going mm-hmm. to send it into Axis. And the, the traditional wing of this church, of which was like 90%, was mm-hmm. very opposed to this, to any resources going to this. They didn't want to, they didn't like guitars, or drums, all those things. And one of the guys is like, I fought in World War II, and you named your worship service Axis. He's like, the equivalent is if you named Al-Qaeda. He's like, you have, he said, you're so completely oblivious to how older people are going to react mm-hmm. to this. You can't understand that you just called your, your worship so service Nazi superpowers. Right. And we were like, He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. At, at that point, you just changed the name of the stupid service, but they they, no, no. they dug in, Mark. which is, was the Did, death of it. They said, that this is what we're definitely calling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they still uh, called Axis, I think. No, see, at that point, you're like, no, I've heard from the people. This, this, this is, the, is not the This word. guy was never going to come to the service, right. but it would have been a, a, a small, it cost you nothing. Small victory. To call it, you to, know, to adjust. the tunnel, the bridge, the well, right. thirsty, whatever. the well, whatever. Yeah, exactly. are going to change it again. 6,000. 11 a.m. service is what they should have called it. Like, it doesn't need to have it. Like this is that's my thing about names. Of we we are all just like call it I don't know why we didn't just call it Oakley Community Church. I would change why the name of Legend to Legend. And I, I remember us sitting there for a long time. What do we go? And then finally we were just like, all right, we don't care. What's the Legend? All right, let's go with that. Like because we stopped yeah. caring. By the same time, I, I was like, naming things is so hard. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, why didn't we just call it Oakley Community Church? We actually had a I had a logo for Oakley Community Church with a, a Homer donut as the O. <laughs> <laughs> And we, but then other the people at our church have told us that they be that they don't think changing it away from legend now. Right, because we idea. suggested if something changes in our church to change the name, but people think there is a brand to it, which I, not that I care about stuff like that, but they're like, oh, there's an identity that to it. What would like, you say the identity of legend is? Because I have a sense from you guys, but like, Ooh, if you what were, do you think it is? Doing, I've been actually doing work on this lately. What do you think it is? I, I mean, I think of it as something like. Um, I think what I love about both of you is this, what you're saying, like, I'm rooted in 2,000 years of Christian tradition. Like, there's a sense of, like, this is the story we've been telling. The Mm -hmm. story never changes. This is who we are. And yet, we're doing it in a way that looks different than what we've been taught. It's certainly not, like, there's something evangelical about it. Like, we want to share the story, but we don't want to share the story in a way that somehow is, like, punishing people or shaming people or, I always say, like, if you're using the Bible the wrong way, if you're right. using it as a weapon, and I feel like that's kind of like your guys' thing. Like, yes, we're right. into telling the story and being truthful to the story. But yeah, also I'd say that's way. apt into what I've heard is that, I mean, we're definitely, there's no... But I don't know, I've never been. You can, you can experience, <laughs> there's very little judgment for things. Like, that's yeah. a, and, uh, even people who aren't Christians, they use it as a place of healing to come and... So there's those things. There's think, some things we do. I think about course about. correction a lot. I think that a part of our job is to say we're not done with Jesus or his message. We're done with a particular expression of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry for that. That expression has been damaging to our friends yes. and our neighbors. And we want to be part of a, I don't know what the wrong. Although, so we had our first like theology on tap night the ever, ever the other night. And I wanted to do this since we started. Where are you guys doing it? Barrel Edge Theology is what it's called. Oh, I like it. Yeah. It's so the other night, I, and this is what happens when I have a second beer. First beer, I'm fine. Second beer, I get a little loose. And uh, so I was like, look, look, look. It doesn't mean that they're not Christians if they think this about the Bible. It just means that they're shitty Christians. <laughs> and I and I said that at the whole table. I was like, ah, oh, that was... That was exactly what I meant, but I do kind no, of mean that. No, it's exactly what I meant. I just normally say it a better way than that. And I try to be more... 
<laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like five beers in, and I'm just like over there crying in the corner, like, guys, you can think of this. <laughs> Saying stupid stuff. What are you, I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. I don't even know. <laughs> you did call the Bible like an idol, like the Ark of the Covenant idol? Uh, that's my entire conversation, though. That I, My question is, has the Bible for us become the an idol like the Ark of the Covenant was at Ideally, the Ark of the Covenant was an idol. Like, it was probably never supposed to be what yeah. it was. And, or even uh, going further, I often they, wonder about, like, we didn't go into path. battle. We didn't do anything unless we had that, because that's the most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have we turned the Bible into an idol that we think God only exists there, and we can't see him outside of that, and we yes. can't put him over it? I thought it was a good thought. That was also a little tipsy. But, but I don't know how no, that's a controversial that's, thought at all. That's like, not you know, a controversial it's, it's thought. Self, I think it's self-evident. I especially... think it's pretty controversial. Probably no one archer, so I'm not sure. Yeah. But some but people I talk people, to, like, yeah. yeah. Being, you know, the sola scriptura sort of deal. Like, not that I'm not into that idea, but people who I know are into it are, like, very into it. Right, but isn't that true? Like, it doesn't... I guess one of the things I pondered, and you're speaking out of your own context, but, like, I think every denomination, every tradition has that thing that I've often called the golden calf, like, in the same way. Like, the thing that we worship that yeah. isn't actually God. Right. We think that we're yeah. trying to worship God, but the critique was that that's not God. Um, and I think for evangelicals, the Bible can be that, to yeah. a certain extent. Like, we worship and the Bible the, and more than we worship the And then a very particular interpretation of the of Bible as well. Yeah, like, this is the literal interpretation of the Bible. Mm. But I think for Catholics, it can be tradition. This is the only right. way we've done things. This is the way in which right. the tradition has been handed down. God won't do anything new. You should... Um, yeah, and for Episcopalians, it's liturgy, by yeah. and far. We know, this is who we yeah. are. This is our liturgy. We worship this more than we worship God. Um, and so I think, yeah, the question is, like, where is God in all right. of it? As long as we're clear where God is, then those things can help lead right. us That's there. Right. But right. the things themselves aren't obviously bad. What were you going to say? Um, oh, I'm, the community council has been in a big fight with St. Cecilia's for the last like couple months over some development. And we had people, like, standing and screaming at us that St. Cecilia's mm-hmm. was the Vatican of Cincinnati. And that any development that was anywhere close to that was a threat to that. And I would like, I, <laughs> there was a lady that was mad because they were talking about putting a restaurant in and it's going to serve alcohol. She's like, what about the children at the school? And I was like, you serve alcohol six times a year on weekends and it's trashed up and down the square because St. Cecilia's people are throwing beer bottles in the school. And I was way... I've gotten drunk at your event. I was yes, way, exactly. Yeah, with my kids! <laughs> and I was way ruder about it than I should have been and the whole room went silent. And, um... My friend from Matry, Kenny, leans over and he goes, what the hell did you just do? Because it was like, Roar! like the, the, the meeting exploded. Like it, it took him 30 seconds to catch that breath off of my, my, uh, my impropriety and then all hell broke loose. Oh, really? Terrible. Oh, no. Well, hey, thank you for your time. Oh, yeah. you're so welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I love great. hanging out with you guys. It was we really have fun. a house band and they're going to play us off. All right, let's go. You motherfuckers need Jesus. Then your wicked ways Well you know that it's